welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. Hey, and welcome back to the Positively You podcast. Today, we have an incredible episode with Crystal Zinn. Now, because this episode was so good and our conversation just kept going, we had so many things to uncover and just kept having these gems, I decided to break this episode into a two-part series to make it easy for you to digest. We've got some really, really good things we're talking about, and I didn't want you to miss any of them. So in this part one, we are talking about the power of yoga, breath work, different somatic practices, movement, really getting in with our body to really, really help you discover this inner wholeness and this inner calm. And it's absolutely amazing, but it's just the beginning. So for part two, we dive deeper into some of these life-changing tools. We talk about our emotions and really feeling them, what that actually means. Uh, Crystal talks about this idea of basic rights and an incredible practice, but also within this part and next part two, Crystal gives us some tangible breathwork things that we can work on right now. So if you're not in a place where you're able to do those practices with us, that's okay. You can come back and listen. Um, like if you're driving or something like that, but this, these two episodes are jam packed with things for you. It's unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe she shared one breathwork exercise with us, let alone two. And then this other journaling practice, you are going to walk away from these two episodes with so many things to help you feel your absolute best and to have these cool practices that you can take and add into your life. So with that and without yammering on for any longer, let's jump into part one of our two-part episode with Crystal's in. I am so excited to be getting back into interviews, and this week's guest is my friend, Crystal Zinn. We connected at like a networking event, and instantly I was drawn to Crystal. We just, our energy just vibed, and I ever since then have been like, I need to talk to her. I need to bring her onto the podcast. So Crystal, I'm so glad that we finally made this happen and that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I actually don't know if you know this, but this is the first official podcast I've guested on. Oh, really? I had no idea. So Crystal has her own podcast, which is absolutely fabulous. I've binged so many episodes. So we will link and plug her later on, and it's down in the show notes if you want to. But before we even dive in, Crystal, do you want to give just a little intro to who you are and kind of what you're all about? Oh, great. Thank you. Yes, I have basically been practicing for over 20 years. And it's been over 15 years that I have been teaching, instructing, creating curriculums. And at this point, I would say most of my work is teaching teachers. So I teach facilitators. I teach teachers how to teach yoga and hold retreats and holistic business coaching and things like that. And as I evolve, those offerings evolve, like I'm sure it does with you and all of your listeners. 
And I think the most beautiful thing that has come about in the last six or seven years is that the direction we're pointing now in all of the things that I do and in my life is just back inward, back inward at me and back inward at you and back inward at my trainees and my clients and remembering our initial and innate wholeness that nothing needs to be added unto us for us to be complete in this very moment. And that's the foundational start of a lot of the things that I do now and my mission and my message that everything is inside of you. So as we get into some of the things, you'll see that based on what I teach, including the anatomy and things, the answers are literally and metaphorically all in your body. All inside of us, which I love because, you know, podcasts like mine and anything out there in the self-help world and the personal development world and the healing world, all of it, right, is so often we feel like we're missing something and we're looking for that in a certain practice, in a certain modality, in a certain medicine or whatever. And I love that the first thing that you said is ultimately it brings us back to ourself and that it's all within us and that we are whole and complete as we are. And that is a beautiful message that I'm excited to dive into you into with you today um, as we go through all of this. So just so everyone knows, I send all of my guests a little sheet to fill out before so we can kind of get things. And and there's always little tidbits and little uh, sentences that really stand out to me. And one that Crystal wrote down was, your goal for people listening to this is to understand um, and to be able to embody their inherent wholeness and their personal unique power, which I don't know that those words on the page just really, really jumped out to me to be able to each one of us embody that wholeness. And oh my gosh, I just think about what the world would look like if all of us got to that point, like how magical and just peaceful everything would look. But obviously it's a journey <laughs> to get there. <laughs> obviously we need to have some tools. And I love that, you know, on this path of going towards wholeness and towards really trusting ourselves and loving ourselves and getting connected to ourselves, that we have people a little bit farther along the path. Um that, you know, you're someone that's a little bit farther along the path. So what are, you're a yoga teacher first and not first and foremost, but that's kind of where you got your start and where you're at. Yes. So yes. yoga as a practice, how is that like a key starting point to embodying wholeness? Oh, such a good question. It sounds like you've practiced yoga. And I do have to say, I am really loving expanding on this subject with you in particular, because if I tag back to what you said at the beginning, when we met at that meeting, there was something about you. And that was the thing, because I've learned to really highly prioritize and value that feeling where you really just kind of embody like your groundedness mm. and the way you talk and the things that you say um, just have some very beautiful intonations to them. And I always feel I felt that energy from you that night. And I felt it as we've been communicating online. And I really appreciate that. So I think it's a perfect person to have this conversation with. And I just wanted to double click on that and say that first. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I'll just say, it sounds like, you know, and I've listened to a couple of your things um, that it really is this like uplifting of each other. And when you say, if I can imagine a world like this. My heart just got really excited because mm. I do that all the time. I'm always like, picture this. 
picture you're in a room where you, you normally feel competition, right? Or you feel like there's not enough. But then picture everybody in that room having some of these feelings that you've learned, some of this groundedness, some of this abundance mindset, some of these tools that get you back into a place where you're like, nothing can ultimately be taken from me. That is mine. And everything I have to give is going to come from the inside out. So there just inherently is no longer any competition. And anytime anybody else participates in that way, it just becomes this beautiful collective of co-creation. So we will answer your question. (laughs) Yourself in a yoga room. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Because this is where I started. and, And this is where it all starts on many layers, which is You walk into the yoga room and especially if you're new to practicing yoga, you start feeling uncomfortable, right? And you start comparing yourself. What are people wearing? Where are they on their, in the room? What can they do that I can't do? Um, And then because yoga is a somatic exercise, it's one of the eight actually original principles or limbs of Ashtanga yoga. You immediately with one breath or one movement have to turn inward right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you didn't, at least in some margin, right? And you learn to do that more and more in greater capacity and quicker as you become a yoga practitioner. But this is what's great about yoga and all somatic practices is it doesn't really leave you a lot of choice. Your neurology, your nervous system, your breath pattern, as soon as you're asked to take a movement, right? Reach your arms up, reach your arms out, press your feet down. It focuses you on yes. your visceral body, And this immediately begins to disengage your sympathetic nervous system and upregulate your parasympathetic nervous system. As soon as you have inward gaze, you start going into even breath pattern, even heart rate, and parasympathetic or rest and restore response. Okay. So that's why it's just such a beautiful entry point into your nervous system. Move your body. And a lot of us, and you guys don't have to like yoga. You know, I'm a a yoga teacher first, and maybe your listeners are already thinking, oh, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have to like yoga. I don't care. But what I do care about is educating people on how powerful the body is. And what Jesse mentioned earlier, which is even in spiritual tools and healing modalities, the rhetoric is there's something over here you need, right? There's something you don't understand. There's something you're lacking. And if you just get that crystal or that oil or that medicine, or you become that kind of teacher, or you go to this kind of synagogue or, you know, Kundalini meditation, that is what's going to solve the things, right? Or fill in the gap or answer your perceived lack in yourself. And once again, that just reinforces the rhetoric of I'm here, not enough. And that over there is what's going to make me enough. Right, right. And yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. But the thing that I, I hooked onto is I love, first of all, that you said, I know you practice yoga. You would laugh hysterically at me because I practice like Jesse's version of yoga. So <laughs> if you're if you're somebody, like I would definitely be that person walking into the class and being like, wow, they're going to, you know, but it's, it's the same thing. The way that I do it in my own backyard and when I'm feeling that, I do. I can immediately connect into myself because it shuts everything off. But if yoga is not your thing, obviously I'm talking to a yoga practitioner today. So that's where we're going to be focused a little bit. But if that's not your thing, the main 
like entry point there is finding a way through movement to connect to your body, right? That's what shuts off the world. So whether that's, you know, with movement, with uh, yoga, with dance, with lifting, with um, just being on a nature walk, whatever that is, it's some type of movement that's connecting you to your body, right? Yes, absolutely. I love that. And there's something called bilateral stimulation. If any of your listeners have heard of that, and they use it in ART therapy and EMDR. Mm-hmm. And walking or running, or even I'm going to give you an easier one, journaling is a beautiful somatic exercise. And, you know, no matter where you are, a lot of people can participate in that. And the movement of even movement from left and right sides of your body balances the left and right hemisphere of your brain. And when the left and right hemisphere of your brain comes into coherence and balance itself out in synchronicity, that also allows you to tap into your rest and restore, your flow state, your lower brain waves, and your parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. And see, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I think at like a, at a base knowledge, all of us are like, yeah, moving our body is good. But you take it such as level deeper of like, no, this is the why, this is the science, this is the anatomy, which is so incredibly cool when it all like connects and makes sense. And there's all of this, not proof, but just so many more things that go deeper than just like, oh, it's good to move your body. Oh, it's good to be connected to your body. Like there's a lot of things going on, which is why here's another plug for Crystal's podcast. Go over and listen because she'll dive deep, deep, deep into all of these things much more than we're going to go here. So this is just a good little entry point again for you. But that, I love that. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing about that for people to remember um, is to not feel overwhelmed because when you draw the circle, I mm. like adding the education piece and the wow factor and just like the Wahe Guru, like amazement of your body and the miracle that it is. But when you complete that circle, the answer is the same, right? Like I can take you all the way around as to what bilateral stimulation is doing and what's happening, but the end result is running is good for you. That is why people already inherently know when I run, I'm getting that bilateral stimulation, especially if I'm replaying scenarios in my mind, even better if I'm thinking about what I want and best if I'm feeling in my body what I want to feel while I'm running. Right, right. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I think we've all got a basic understanding, like I've said, of movement connecting to our bodies. I want to go a step further with you about coming in and embodying that wholeness, getting more connected to ourselves, right? So we're not looking for outside. We're coming into ourselves, into ourselves. And breath, breath work is something that I have been so incredibly interested in, so drawn to. And I think that that's kind of like a a next step up from just body movement is really connecting to our breath. Now, that's kind of a newer thing. Maybe not for you if you've been in the in that world, but how can we oh, how do I want to word this? How can we access our breath and use our breath as a way to heal and connect more with ourselves? Mm, that's the perfect question. Okay. Um have you experienced much? Have you done much? Like in yes. or been guided through? I have. Okay, so I did breath work for the first time. I did a sound bath uh, probably back in like 2020 was my first sound healing experience. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and then I went to, and I thought I had done, right? I was like, I did breath work. I went to a breath work class, had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was one of the coolest experiences I have ever done. So if you have an opportunity to 
practice breath work. I mean, you can always download like meditations online and stuff, but doing one in person, especially for your first time, I, I really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, it was very, very cool. Body went, I don't want to like scare anyone. Body went numb. Hands went rigid, right? Got like the, the claw hands or whatever, but so, so, so cool. So I'm going to let you jump in. That was my first little thing. I've done a couple since then. Yeah. I wanted you to share. I love that. I think on a relatable note, the first time I had really experienced uh, not that that intensive breath work, but the breath is a huge benefit, was five years into my yoga practice when I'd been listening to them tell me to breathe for five years. Mm. And it took that long to kind of like build a foundation of comfortability and movement and, and self-knowledge and feedback between myself to finally start thinking about breathing. And that was my first experience where for my entire yoga class, I did the appropriate Ujjayi breathing that they were cueing in traditional yoga. And I had also a transformational experience. What the breath does is the breath is a more efficient and quicker access point to every functioning system in your body. So sometimes it takes us a while to understand that and understand how to utilize it and get there. And sometimes we have to hear 500 times, take a deep breath, hold it, exhale through your mouth. And it sounds so simple that I would venture to say 90% of the time people hear that they don't actually do it. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) When you do it, you'll then know what we're talking about. And that was my first profound experience with breath. My second one was as I started Kundalini, which starts manipulating the breath in different ways. For example, you'll do things like make an O mouth and breathe like, Mm -hmm. or you'll you'll breathe out of the nose, like breath of fire, like, and pump your navel. And that was fascinating to me too, because that's when I started diving deep into the feedback loops and the science and the anatomy deep into the breathing um, and what it can do. And what, what I think is the most important thing is your breath can hijack any emotion you're having, any unconscious thought pattern, mm. um, or any type of feedback loop or physical like stuckness that your body has got itself into. Like if a muscle is sore or you've got a pattern moving this way or you have digestive issues, the the one thing that is always a hack for those things is your breath. Is that interesting? That is so interesting. And how simple. And yeah. also, I believe again, same with the movement where I said like we know like move your body, you'll feel better. How often is our go-to when like we're freaking out or anything, we say, just breathe, just breathe, right? Like we know these things on a very basic level. And so I think it's very interesting and very cool to be able to dive in deeper to be like, well, why do we say just breathe? Yeah. Oh, because breath is this access point. It's so, I mean, I could nerd out forever, right? I know. And what would we have to say to the listeners on this podcast to inspire you enough <laughs> to go on, you know, any of my videos or anybody's videos on YouTube or just sit by yourself and work with your breath, like to actually take that step if you haven't yet. Hopefully, hopefully this does it for you. Yes. <laughs> but there's a lot of neurology on the back end with your brain and your nervous system that's going on. And sometimes the education creates a wow factor or a desire or really speaks to the power of this that helps people get over that hump as well. Oh, yeah. So I do want to mention that it's the most important function. It's the first thing we ever do when we're in this life. So I just think like 
raise your hand if you've been born. So all of us right. have been born. <laughs> so we all, and if you're still here listening to this, then at some point, that first point when you got here, you had to take your first breath, right? Yeah. And there's just an amazing thing that happens at that point because the blood in your heart is not circulating to your lungs. Think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're getting your oxygen from the mommy. So there is a heart wall in your heart that doesn't close until you're born so that the blood can circulate between the two atriums and the two ventricles without going back through the pulmonary artery to the lungs. So the minute you're born, what causes you to take your first breath is an incredible enormous, tragic, death-like amount of stress on your body. Wow. So so when we're born, we need to raise the pain and and suffrage threshold so high that the neuroganglia behind your ears at the base of your spine, behind your temporal lobe, gets so pressurized and the suffering becomes so high and the feedback in your nervous system becomes so panicked that those neuroganglia turn on for the first time. So they snap on, you get a jolt of electricity. You are signaled in your brain to open your mouth and take your first breath, which means your lungs are sealed together with viscous liquid Mm -hmm. material, right? So you've got to snap them open. So it's got to be really violent. And so that is why it's just such an amazing experience. So the baby, (gasps) right? snaps the lungs open, the neurology in your brain turns on and your heart wall closes. Wow! And now your blood is going to the lungs, to the heart, to the body, to the heart, to the lungs, to the heart, to the body, right? And now the baby's breathing. So I wanted to give you that visual because it's the first thing we learn. It's the most powerful thing we need to keep us alive. And how many times you go through a day and notice you're holding your breath when something stressful happens? Oh, all the time. (laughs) Way more than I wish it was. <laughs> I can, you can see it. I'm like driving. I can see myself in the review mirror. And I'm like, yeah. Why are my shoulders tense and my jaw is clenched and I'm not breathing? Okay. That's like, <laughs> yeah. so it also illustrates the point that that kind of sympathetic nervous response is necessary yeah. uh, in emergency, but it's also, it's very heightened. And like, we really have to be discretionary about when that's actually necessary. And it's really not very much uh, what's what's more necessary is calm, regulated belly breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, which what- none of us do either, right? <laughs> Until we're being chased by a bear, and then <laughs> yeah. So it's fascinating because if we don't need to tap into that part of the breath, uh, the most beneficial thing to know about the breath, and the best thing anyone could possibly do, is put your hands on your belly, okay, and and allow breath. I was going to teach something else today, but I think I'll teach this one. Okay. This would probably be, I'm going to teach you this tool correctly. So you're in my opposite, your left hand goes on first and then your right hand. That's a shamanic exercise. It's a protection. And then you don't ever push or pull because you're trying to signal the parasympathetic nervous system. There's no threat. There's no, there's no pressure response. There's nothing I need to do efferently to tell my body what to do. So the word is allow. Okay. So, you just tap into your breath and you allow your belly to come out and press against your hands. Mm-hmm. And then you allow the belly to press back. Your diaphragm has manual and automatic properties. So you don't, you can affect it, but you don't have to. And this is what we're tapping into. You probably didn't do it fully the first time. It right. takes some practice. So we'll do it two more times. So this time try to do less. So allow okay. the full inhale. 
And when you, when you inhale, the belly comes out. So that mm-hmm. may also be playing a game with your mind. So inhale, the belly comes out and don't inhibit it. Just let your body inhale. It does more than you thought, right? Yep. And then let your body exhale. We'll call that one and I'll give you one more without me talking. So any of the listeners that were doing that with us as well, I just want you to take note of like what you feel in your body, like viscerally, like, you know what I mean? Like, do you feel your fingers? Where did your shoulders go? What's going on in your jaw? Like you memorize these patterns in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, I actually feel my fingers more and like everything kind of just like lightened. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love that. So that's, that's the most powerful thing with the breath is when you use it to tap into the parasympathetic nervous system and you do less or you do nothing. Yes. Which is so hard for all of us. Even when you said that, you're like, try to do less. I'm like, okay, I have to try. (laughs) It it feels so counterintuitive, which is why these practices are so cool. And also why I like calling them practices, because I think so often we get into our head about not doing it correctly or, you know, being a beginner, not being an expert. And it's just a practice. It That means you're not supposed to be good at it. Like we have to practice it. And uh, really leaning into that word has been helpful for me whenever I'm trying anything new or anything that feels, you know, a little bit out of my comfort zone or different is realizing like that it's fine to not do it right. Right. In air quotes. Um, so if that feels, if that felt weird to you or new to you or, or the idea of breathing and, and breath work feels, I don't know, scary or out of your comfort zone, like that's fine. Welcome to the club. Yeah. And what's nice about breath work, if we do, uh, we're kind of staying surface level here. And if we were to go a little deeper and talk about what Jesse experienced, which is amazing. Um, (laughs) you know, there, there are just some other principles I would want you to kind of understand, which I think would make you feel a little better because one, if you go into something like that, you have a facilitator watching over you and coaching you through it. And that, even though you feel nervous can give you just a little bit level of confidence. There's someone there taking care of the space and watching you and giving you the patterns and things. But I think you might find this really interesting. When you manipulate the breath, you manipulate your nervous system. Like I said, it's your entry point. You can affect your brain and your nervous system, but you can also affect your heart rate. And so there's something we would need to build a little bit of a foundation on. And I bet, I bet your listeners would like this because when you're dealing with personal development and self-evolution and things, a lot of times the very first thing that comes up is your patterning or your personality right? Mm -hmm. Like this is always happening to me. I, I, I can never seem to make and keep enough money. I can never seem to talk in front of this person without getting nervous. Or I always do this after I have a vulnerability hangover, you know, like you start noticing the traits in yourself that you want to evolve. Right. Mm -hmm. So the thing about breath and somatic work is we're doing the same thing. We're just not talking about it. We're just being about it, right? Instead of, right? We're like the human beings instead of the human doings. Right. 
So we can psychoanalyze it and get into it. And that's helpful in some parts of therapy. But the cool thing about breath and somatic practices is, is we don't always have to know why. We don't always have to pinpoint an experience. And we don't always have to push the huge rock up the hill metaphorically to get us over a hump of understanding or perspective. We just go directly to the body and the nervous system and experience something. And it does that for us. So when you get into those bigger breath things like Kundalini Kriyas and meditations and actual breath work and things like that, that entry point is a bit more extreme. And the reason why is because we're changing patterns in your brain and things that you may be suspected like patterns or traumas or behaviors that you have adopted for safety, <laughs> maybe yeah. something when you were a kid, maybe something happened last week and now you've trained yourself to jump or be skittish when that happened because you get hit by a car, right? Or your dad was disappointed in you when you did X, Y, and Z. So now when those things come up as an adult, you have that pattern response, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the foundation. And when you're doing personal development and you start uncovering those foundations, I think it's exciting. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> there's whole, oh my gosh. Like I had no idea. Now I have a little power to change it. So so the breath and the holistic approach to business and coaching, I think is a powerful partner to self-development and a lot of other things. And, and it, it starts catalyzing the process because you know, the things, then you go into a breath ceremony. Maybe you'd speak more about, I'd love to hear like what changed for you or what you discovered. Cause then you go in with the breath and then all of those things that are going on in your brain, all of those patterns that are being held in your body, your fascia mm-hmm. will hold it, your body memory, your muscle, the liquid in your body will hold those memories. You get to release them and yeah. then you will act different. Yeah. I it's it's so incredibly cool. And I like, you know, that there's entry points to get in, there's simple surface level, and then there's going all the way deep. But this one thing that you said that I really liked is that you get excited to discover these things about yourself. And that's so interesting because we could also take that a completely different way and be like, oh my gosh, I get really like terrified to discover those things or I don't want to. And something I'm always preaching on this show is uh, curiosity and curiosity with kindness and no judgment. And that goes towards ourself as well as others. And these two ways with, you know, yoga, body movement and breath are very cool ways to be able to dive in and, and practice that curiosity muscle that we have where, you can go in with excitement and curiosity about like, oh, I didn't know I was doing that. That's so interesting. And it opens up this whole thing. So breath, not only as a way to connect to yourself, but also to dive into, you know, your patterns. And like you said, your nervous system and everything, it's, it's incredibly cool. And just wanted to highlight, you know, that excitement and that curiosity of being able to dive into yourself. That curiosity is so beautiful and it's so much easier said than done. Oh yeah. <laughs> what what seems to help your listeners the most? Like what do they ask about the most? Does that seem to be like the big hurdle to how do I actually enter a place like this and feel fear and nervous and shame and like judgment on myself? And how do I actually transform that into curiosity or or positive, more like engaging emotions. Oh yeah. I definitely think that that's one of the hardest things for, for me, for everyone, for everyone listening is shifting from, you know, that place of, 
I'm bad because I do this or the judgment or the shame. And why can't, why can't I just already be here and allowing ourselves to be on that journey, allowing ourselves to be curious. It's actually really cool to be able to get to know yourself in that way. Um, but way, way, way easier said than done. I mean, I have to remind myself of this all the time. Nope. We're being curious, Jess. We're not being judgmental. Like, literally multiple times a day where something will come up and I'm like, oh, why did you do that? Nope. We're being curious instead of, oh, why did you do that again? Say, oh, why did I do that again? That's interesting. You know? And so just giving ourselves more of that compassion with our curiosity, it's a practice. And I love <laughs> that. Practice. I saw a post you made earlier where you were congratulating yourself on a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is a is a little tag on powerful practice too, because that will build resiliency. So the more times that you do finally accomplish something, and then you do get to take that pause, which once again can come with breath. Mm-hmm. It's a yin practice I like to teach. Every time you complete any task, whether it's putting the dish the dishes away from the dishwasher, or finishing this podcast with Jesse, or vacuuming the room, you pause. And that's why I loved your post so much because you had done something. Mm-hmm. And then you paused and and you waited. And then you infused that void or that pause with, wow, I did a good job. And I'm going to recognize myself for that. And I think that as far as building resilience, when I have done practices like that, that's made me highly more likely to step into the next uncomfortable situation because I remembered I was positively reinforced for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so easy to go the other way too, because sometimes if you're celebrating yourself for those like easy wins or whatever, you know, you can have that like negative thought kind of pop in and be like, well, yeah, of course you were supposed to do the dishes. So good job. You, you did a basic thing. Like, don't let that like mean girl, like come in and yeah. try to take that away from you because then you're like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm only doing like the basic blah, 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 but no, 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 no. We're celebrating all of our wins. And Crystal, you said it perfectly. That builds that resilience that builds that like continuing to do those things, which is really, really cool. Okay. Then I want to, can I share one of like my really fast breathing, quick techniques that stops the thought pattern like that? Absolutely. When I shared with you was the allowing and the allowing is really good. If you feel guilt, if you feel overwhelmed, um, and if you feel self-judgment, the allowing will tap you back into that universal light and truth, which mm-hmm. can only send the message of self-fulfillment and wholeness. So as soon as you allow and tap into that channel, that's the result you'll get. Okay. It will feel beautiful. But this is a second one I'll share with your listeners then, which stops thought patterns like that, since it sounds like you do talk about that a lot and help with those self-development tools. So when the negative thought patterns come, and this is a technique they do use in EMDR as well. The first thing I do is empty completely. So what you would do is exhale and I'm going like this, but what actually happens in your anatomy is your diaphragm will come up like this and squeeze your lungs. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. think about (laughs) squeezing out that way. So we exhale everything first and you can even hum or make a sound like when you think you're done, keep going, maybe hum a little more and exhale, exhale, exhale. So you're going to feel the bottom lobe squeeze, 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 and then pause. Remember the little baby I told you about you were at Mm -hmm. one point and let that inhale snap the breath back in. Okay. And so it's, it's metaphorical, energetic, and anatomical in this regard. 
you are ridding yourself or emptying yourself of any of that negative feedback or thought patterns. And because it puts you in a little bit of a stress environment where your breath and your oxygen, your life is most important now, it's paramount. You don't really have time for those like, I wore my blue yoga pants and so did she. And now I feel stupid. And <laughs> and I should have put the dishes away three days ago and you're failing at everything. And you would do it three to five times. And each time you do it, do it more intensely. So then you exhale, press it all out, all out. You're squeezing, 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 and compressing. And then you let that inhale. Snap sense back into yourself. Mm, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I love that. I love that we have two really good breathing practices to leave with today um, to help oh, the allow and then the empty. Is that what you, the second one is? Yeah. Is that good? Do you think that'll yes. be helpful for them? I oh, feel, I feel I like mean, if it's not, it was helpful for me and I'll just be selfish and just take it for myself, but I cannot imagine those two not being helpful. Okay, so this is where we are going to take our pause and jump to part two. So just click over to the next episode and I'll see you there. Thank you for hanging out with me again today. I'm so glad you pressed play. If you want to take a quick second to share this episode with someone you think would love it too, that would be amazing. If you're loving the show, make sure you go and leave a review on iTunes. Reviews are like magic for podcasts, and your review will help get this show into the ears of more amazing women just like you. And come find me over on Instagram. I'm there at positively.jesse, and I cannot wait to hang out with you some more. So until next time, have an amazing day.